Welcome to the Home Church Podcast. My name's Kenny, and I serve as the lead pastor here at Home Church, and we gather in Maiden, North Carolina. We're so glad you tuned in to today's episode, and we hope that this episode will help encourage you and inspire you as you continue to follow Jesus step by step. Well, hey, good morning, and welcome to Home Church. Uh, my name's Kenny, and I have the honor of serving as the lead pastor here. We're glad you're here. And um, as I was thinking about, we're stepping into a new series today called This Is Our God. Um, and one of the things that we said uh, at, uh, last week, if you missed last week, I really want to encourage you to go back and check it out. Um, we got a chance to, to cast some vision over where we believe God's calling us to go over this next year. And, uh, and so this is our first series of this year, and it's called This Is Our God. And uh, as I was thinking about this series and, and trying to lead us and teach us about who God is, uh, I kind of had these moments where I, I thought back to these times in my life and I'm assuming you've probably had moments like this as well in your life where uh, maybe at night, maybe even laying out on your trampoline as a kid or uh, in the woods and you just lie there at night and you just look up at the stars and you just have this moment of realization of just how big like this world is, this galaxy that we live in is. Um, maybe over the summer uh, you've been to the, to the beach and you stand and as the sun's rising you stand as these waves that just miraculously keep coming and, and they keep landing and puddling and pooling at your feet. Uh, you just stand there and you look at the vastness of all of this creation as far as you can see and maybe you've just had these considerations and these, these thoughts and this, this pondering both of God's grandeur, his vastness, the things that he's created and just how big he is. But also in that same moment, I know this has happened for me, it's, it's led me to a place of being in such awe. And it's almost a little crippling to think about how big he is and just how small I really am. Maybe you've had these thoughts and maybe you've had these questions and considered uh, just how big God really is and, and really how small that makes us. I think many of us have had moments like that, and, and no doubt, some of us get stuck in those moments where we do realize just how big God is, or we have some form of an understanding of how just grandiose this creator God is, and all of a sudden, we get crippled, and we just get stuck in this idea of, man, he's so big, and I'm so small, like, do I even matter? I'm just, I'm an inconsequential component to this uh, existence. And so, does it really matter? What do I do with my life? What, what is my purpose? Uh, who is God? What is, what is his role? Who, you know, who am I to him? What is my role in this whole thing? And, and I think sometimes we get caught in looking at that and we just get stuck. And all of a sudden, it's just like, well, I don't really know. I can't really understand. I don't comprehend. And so, I'm just going to do me. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to do whatever pleases me. And none of that stuff really matters until one day it will actually matter. And, but for now, it doesn't matter. I think that many of us have found ourselves in places like that where we have these realizations and these thoughts. And so we're stepping into this series, and so uh, today, this, this whole series is called This Is Our God, and we're going we're gonna to teach some fundamental, foundational, uh, what we call doctrines. These are beliefs um, that we have in our faith. And so this year, we're really focused on, one of our, our slogan for this year is a house built on the rock. We want to build our house on the good foundation of knowing and knowing about who God is and what, it, what he means to us and who we are to him. And so let me ask you this question. And I, I know this is going to, at first, you're going to be like, oh, come on, Kenny, really? But I really want you to take a moment and consider this question. Who is God? 
Think about that for just a moment. In your own head, in your own heart, like, who is God? How would you describe him? How would you affirm his existence? How would you define your understanding of who God is? I know you didn't plan to come in and get all philosophical today, did you? <laughs> I know some of you are like, I don't, I don't even know where to go from here. <laughs> well, good news, I do. And so, um, but I want you to take that moment. And, and, and I know, listen, we, we don't have 30 minutes, an hour right now to let you sit and just consider that. But I would, I would challenge you after today that maybe this week you would find some time to sit. And maybe it's you find your way into the backyard and you're looking up at the stars. Or uh, maybe for some of you moms, you just find a quiet moment in the bathroom without your kids, like, sticking their fingers under the door. Whatever whatever a moment of quiet looks like for you, I'd I'd ask you to, you know, make a point to to get away for just a few moments this week and re-ask yourself those questions. Like, who is God? Who is he to you? How do you define your understanding of him, and, and what does that mean? Um, and so today, I, we're going to lean into this series, and, and it's going to be a few weeks long, where we're going to try to teach and talk about, like, who is God? So that's the idea, and maybe you even, you even heard that in some of the songs we sang today as a preface to try to communicate some of these things. But um, if you're taking notes, and today's a good day to take notes, I want to encourage you to do that. Um, I, I want to like teach today under this, this idea that there are three things that you need to know about God. Um, there are three things that you really need to know about God. And if you have your Bible, pull it out. Good luck staying with me today. I'm going all over the place. All right. So this is where one of those moments where I would tell you, if you don't have the home church app, you probably want to try to get that. Uh, The sermon notes and the scripture are already preloaded. You don't have to search for them, man. They're just going to slide right along with you. Uh, If you're watching online, they're going to be at my feet. And if if you're in the room, you don't have any of those things. They're going to be here on the screens. But there's a lot of scripture I want to teach you today to help us understand who our God is. And so we're going to start around this idea that there are three things that you really do need to know about who God is, okay? Uh, And so, uh, number one, the first thing that you need to know about God is this. There is one true God, and he exists as three persons in one essence, okay? I'm going to say that again, because that's a lot to hear and understand. Uh, There is one true God, and he exists as three persons in one essence, all right? So you might ask yourself, because especially if you're maybe new to church or new to faith, or maybe you've been in church for a long time and you've never really slowed down to think about some of these things, Um, I hope today is is helpful for you to understand. Because when we talk about God, here's what we say. We talk about God, and then there are times we talk about Jesus, and then there are times we talk about, like, what we even sang it today, Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. And some of you might be like, yo, like, who, who are all these people? Like, who are we actually singing to? Who are we praying to? Like, who is God? Like, we're talking about God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Like, help me, help me, somebody. Help me. I'm just saying. So that's what I want to do today is I want to help you understand who God is in this way, right? So one true God, he exists as three persons in one essence. 
So a couple of things I want to share with you, and, and then I want to show you to, to help you, right? So uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4 says this. Uh, God's chosen people, the, the Hebrews, the Israelites, every single day they would pray in the morning and the evening, they would pray a prayer called the Shema. That's a fun word. Would you all say that with me? Say the Shema. Yeah, and so the Shema is a, a little title for a, a prayer that these people would pray, and, and they would pray to remind themselves both morning and evening who God is. And here's what, that, the, here's what it says. The first part of that prayer says this in Deuteronomy 6 and 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord is one. And, and so... For them, they understood that there is one God. And for you today, I need you to understand that there is one God. Um, the thing about God is he has lots of names, right? And, and so we, we've called him lots of names. Scripture calls him uh, lots of different names. Uh, there's the name Yahweh, um, which is uh, what the Hebrew people called him most often. Uh, the, the name Adonai, the name Jehovah. Um, God is called lots of different names, but in the scriptures, when you hear those things, I want you to think about this one true God, okay? And he exists in three persons, but one essence. Well, Kenny, that's hard to understand. So I wanted to give you a visual understanding today. And so maybe you've seen this before. We're going to show this. Uh, this is the Trinity symbol. Just universally, if you throw this up, someone who's never even been to church, who has no idea what we're talking about, they would say, oh, that's the Trinity. And so uh, today, we're, I want to quickly tell you about this doctrine of the Trinity. Okay, so we, we talked about this year, we want to lean into some doctrine. Doctrine's a fancy church word for saying belief. This is one of the things that, that we believe. And so one of the things that we believe um, is the doctrine of the Trinity. And it looks like this. It's, it's kind of these three different things that are all connected into one thing, right? And so practically, here's how you can visualize this when it comes to the Godhead. This is what we call the Godhead. Three persons in one essence. It looks like this. God the Father, which is represented by the crown there. Uh, God the Son, who we call Jesus, is represented by the, the palm with the, the heart in his, in his hand. That's because our, our Jesus actually uh, took nails to the hand as he was hung on the cross. And then the dove represents God the, the, the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, it, however, whatever context you were raised in. But this is our one true God, one God in essence, who operates as three unique and distinct persons, okay? And so uh, this is, I want to take some time today and help you understand how this all works together, okay? Um, and so I, I, wanna, I just want to lead you through some scripture today that is going to kind of illustrate some of these things. Uh, you're going to see Father, Son, and Spirit all together in several places in scripture, Okay, because uh, I got a little newsflash here for you. You can go and read from Genesis 1 all the way to the end of Revelation, and the one word you will not find in anywhere in the Bible is the word Trinity. And so you might be like, well, yo, Pastor, why are you teaching us about a word that's not there? Well, I'm teaching you about a concept and an understanding of who God is that is there, and I want to show you what it looks like. So here we go, Genesis chapter 1, the very beginning of, of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1 
starting in verse one, here's what it says. It says, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we already have God there. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God, or the ruach, which is the wind of God, this is the Holy Spirit, okay, was hovering over the waters, all right? And so this is, this is and, the, and then the very next verse, we're not gonna throw it up there, the very next verse says, and then God said, let there be light. And so all of a sudden, right here in the first three verses of scripture, we have the Godhead, the one true God in essence in three persons, God the Father, God the Spirit, and the Son, Jesus, who is the Word. And I'll show you that in just a moment, all right? And so here's, here's where it, they show up together because um, have you ever met a crazy person and they talk in the plural? You ever met, my, my friend Casey down here, she's a counselor. I know she's met some folks like this. Uh, I'm a pastor, I promise you, I've met folks like this. But normal people don't speak of themselves in the plural, right? But in Genesis 11, uh, there's this story of the Tower of Babel, and God is speaking to them, and, and it says this in verse uh, 11 of Genesis, I'm sorry, verse 7 of Genesis 11. He says, come, let us go down and confuse their language, and they will not be able to understand each other. So here we have this one God speaking in the form of plurality, right? He's speaking of us. And if you're already like lost and confused, I know, I'm sorry. This is difficult to understand, and I just want to acknowledge that. But my heart today, and we're, and we're going to get there, of why all this matters. And I know it's thick and heavy, and you're like, yo, it's, it's 10.15, 10.30 in the morning. Like, I haven't had enough coffee for this, Kenny. So let's continue to connect, right? We, we have the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. So we've seen them in creation we, we've seen them talking about operation and creation. And then this fast forwards all the way into Matthew where Jesus uh, comes into the picture. And Jesus, God's one and only son, Jesus is God incarnate, the invisible God who became visible to humans, okay? He comes to earth, he starts to live a life, and he becomes a man, and then he has this moment of baptism. And all three persons of the Godhead we see in this moment. Matthew chapter three and verse 16 says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water and at that moment, heaven opened and he saw the spirit of God. So Jesus in the water, he sees the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him and a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him, I am well pleased. Right here in this critical moment in scripture, Jesus' baptism, we see all three persons of the Godhead together in this one place, and it happens in several others, okay? So about this Jesus. So we, we really, when we think about God, most often we think about God the Father, this imaginary, and some people, when they, when they hate on our faith, they say, oh, this imaginary uh, you know, tooth fairy who's out there. But even as believers, we have a hard time wrapping our head around who God is because we see him as this imaginary, invisible being. So no one has really seen God the Father, right? but we have seen him in the form of Jesus. Well, now you haven't, unless you're 2,000 years old. But this recording lets us know that, that he was alive. And the Bible describes Jesus in this way in John 1.1. It says, in the beginning, we've already talked about that, God and the Holy Spirit were there, but in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word 
was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So when you go back to Genesis 1, we see that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit were all there at the moment of creation. A few other things to help give us this understanding of of this Godhead. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 6 says, Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from from whom all things come and from whom we live, and there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things come and through whom we live. Now, when you put those things together, you're like, hold up, homie. He said there's one God, all things have been created, and then one Jesus, all things have been created. What Paul's trying to say is God and Jesus are the same. This is what I'm trying to help you understand. When we talk about God, when we talk about Jesus, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're actually talking about one God who operates in three persons, okay? One more. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So here's how I want to try to encapsulate all of this. Our God is a Spirit, He is one God, and he operates in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and the the Spirit. Now, in the the time of eternity, he's he's shown himself in lots of different ways, okay? Um, In the beginning, they were all all there, and, and there was creation, and then there was man. And then along the way, God incarnated himself in the form of Jesus to become flesh and he dwelt among us. And then after Jesus had died and was buried and resurrected, he ascended into heaven. And then God sent his spirit to reside in the earth. And so we've seen God in all these different ways and we've experienced him in all these different ways. And you experience him in these ways even still today, right? And so here's why this is important. Man, listen, I totally get it. This is, you're feeling like, yo, I didn't sign up for a seminary class, pastor, but This is so critical to our faith. Here's why. Because if we don't understand who our God is, we will be deceived and we will start to follow other gods. You know how I know? Because there's lots of people that you know who follow other gods, okay? This is important because when we talk about God, you and I have to know that we're not just talking about an ethereal God. You and I have to know specifically, uniquely, who the one God is that we are referring to. Because when other people talk about God and they're not referring to the same God, guess who they're not talking about? They're not talking about God. And clue number one is, let me tell you this, homie, you ain't it. (laughs) I don't know if you're aware of this, but you ain't God, all right? But yo, how many people study at the foot and the religion of being their own God? I'll just leave that one with you. Here's why it's critical. It's because we need to be talking about the same God. I'm just going to be very clear with you. I love people, but I will stand on truth, okay? So if you think I'm being harsh in these next moments and being direct, you're right. I am. All right? Jehovah's Witnesses, it is a false religion. They claim to follow the God that you and I follow, and they do not. They do not follow the same God that you and I follow. They follow and they claim that Jesus was created. Let me be very clear. Jesus was not created. Jesus was eternally existent. I'm going to talk about this in a minute. From the very beginning. 
for always. Jesus was not created, okay? Mormons, who call themselves Christians, they are not. It is a false religion. Mormonism is a false religion. They believe that Jesus was born, meaning that, again, that he was created. That is untrue, okay? Jesus, yes, born of a virgin Mary, but what they're saying is Jesus was born into eternity, and that is false. It's not true. Islam, well, they claim Jesus is good. They call him a prophet, but they say that he is not God, okay? So when they talk about Allah, they're talking about, well, they would say that we're talking about the same God. It is not the same God because they say Jesus, who is God, is not God. It is not the same belief. Buddhist, founded by Buddha, they teach that our souls, right? So when we talk about that our God is a spirit, by the way, you and I also are spirit beings, Yes, we have flesh, but, but we are spirit beings. Our soul and our spirit will live forever, okay? But they teach, Buddhists, founded by Buddha, they teach that our souls are reborn, and after death, they, they morph into another soul, and that you get a new body uh, to do it all over again. Now, but there's a caveat, because sometimes you get a new body, and sometimes your soul just goes away. Good luck. I don't know how that's going to go for you, but good luck. Hinduism. By the way, Hinduism is the third largest religion in the world. I don't know if you knew this. Christianity, Islam, Hinduism. Those are the third largest religions uh, in the world. Judaism is beside Christianity. Okay, let me say that. Third largest religion in the world. They believe that you and I are many gods and that we can become deity. So I don't know if you remember this a few minutes ago, but I said, yo, homie, I love you, but you ain't God. So guess what? You can't be Hindu. <laughs> here's, here's what I'm trying to help you understand. There are lots of religions and lots of gods out there. And there are many things that I don't know. Listen, this is just a, a, a fat pastor born in small town, South Carolina. But here's what I do know. I do know that the God I serve is the one and only true God. And here's what I do know. I know that you can go and you can find Buddha's grave. And I know you can go and find Muhammad's grave. And where you find them, guess what? You're gonna find their bodies and you're gonna find that dead religion. But here's what I know. That the Son of God, eternally existent, born into this world, lived a perfect life. He paid the price for your sin and for mine. He died, he rose again, and right now he sits at the right hand of God the Father. You can go right now to the garden tomb in Israel, and here's what you're going to find. You're going to find an open door, and on that door is a plaque that says, he ain't in here, he is risen. So you can go find Buddha, you can go find Muhammad, and they're dead, but you and I follow a risen, living Savior, Lord. You and I are broken, and we are in need of saving. And I got news for you. There is nothing that can save you aside from faith in Christ Jesus, the one and only true God. You can call anything God that you want, and many people do, including themselves. But those gods are dead, and they will die, including you. You and I will physically die, but our soul will live on forever. And at some point, our spirit will come face to face with the one true God, and there will be an eternity that you will live either in his presence, we call it heaven, or away from his presence, we call it hell. And the only thing that separates those two things is one thing, your faith that Christ Jesus is Lord. That's it. That's it. All the things you've done, good and bad, don't matter. 
not gonna matter in that moment. The only thing that will matter in that moment is the faith that you carry, that you believe in the one true God, and you claim him as your Lord and Savior. So, we understand, hopefully, a little bit better of our, that our God is one true God, three persons, one essence. Here's something else that you need to understand. Number two is this, is that he is eternally existent. He is eternally existent. Let me show you this. Because you go back to Genesis 1.1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was uh, over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters and God said, let there be light and there was light. And so you might be saying, but yo, how is it eternally existing and there was a beginning? There was a beginning for what you and I call the world. But there has been no beginning and there is no end to our God's existence. Because if there is a beginning and an end to him, he is not God. He's just another thing, just another being. But our God is eternally existent. I want to show you uh, this even better. And and so God has this conversation with a man named Job who uh, had lots of faith, and and then he lost his family, and God was uh, calling and talking to him, and Job had this like really angry conversation, and God said something to him that put him in his place. And I want you to see this, because it's beautiful and convicting. Here's what it says in Job chapter 38, starting in verse four. This is God talking to Job because Job thought he was, uh, in essence, a, a creator, and he's questioning who God is, and God says this to him. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off the dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set, and who laid its cornerstone? Man, here... This is convicting because we are the gods of our own life in a lot of ways. We think we know it all, and yet here God is having this heavy conversation with a man, and he, he brings him to this reality of, yo, yo, like, I know you, and I understand you're going through a lot, but you don't fully understand who I am. Because if you did, you would understand that no man can set the foundations of the earth, only God. No man can stretch a measuring line across this incredible galaxy and many probably galaxies far beyond than we even can comprehend. He was trying to speak to his grandeur. And then we have in Revelation 22, this is the very, this is the next to last chapter at the end of the Bible, and it says this in verse four. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads, speaking of Speaking of Jesus, there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Forever, ever? Forever, ever? I want to show you this timeline to just kind of give you an idea that our God is eternally existent, okay? So there's a, there's a little arrow that points even before creation, and there's an arrow at the end of uh, Jesus coming back, right? So I, I want you to understand that there have been moments in this earth that you and I know about because it was described here in Scripture. We know that the beginning of the earth was the moment of creation. And, and then we know along the way that Christ Jesus, God, came incarnately to this earth. You and I have then lived, we're, we're living right now, Um, which is great. We're glad you're here. (laughs) Um, And then at some point in our future, Jesus will come back. 
And we call that the end of the age or the last days. But here's what I need you to understand. That before even the creation of the earth, God was eternally existing, doing whatever he wanted to do. I don't know. And when Jesus comes back, we call it the end of days, but our spirits and God will continue to live on in eternally existence forever and ever. Forever, ever. <laughs> All right. This is, this is important. Because again, if there is a beginning and an end to who God is, he is not God. He's eternally existing forever and ever. So this is why it's so critical. These two things that you need to really understand because you can then know who the one true God really is. You understand how he's operated in this world and how he continues to operate in this world and how he relates to, to, to me and to you in, in some of those ways. We understand and we gain the gravity that God has always been here. He always will. But you and I now have the knowledge that, that now that we have been created and we were born, well, our soul will now live on forever. That's important for you to understand. Because in this wild and crazy world, and, uh, over 8 billion people, it is so easy to get lost in the craziness of things going on and people and feeling, and as I said earlier, feeling so inconsequential. Feeling like, do I even really matter? Does this huge God, does he even see me? Does he know me? Does he even care about me? Like, and even if he does know me and he cares about me, like, what's he doing for me? Like, we have all these moments and things that we, that we ponder and consider when it comes to God. And I just want to just take a moment as we close here today to just challenge you to consider both his majesty, because it is, his existence is majestic. It's beautiful. It's, it's overwhelming in a lot of ways when you really slow down to try to comprehend who God is. But I also want you to slow down and to understand that you matter to him. And so this is the third thing that you need to know. This is my third point today, is that he loves you and he wants to know you personally. Now, this is a hard concept for many of us to, to see and to grab hold of because we've stood at the, at the lapping shores of an ocean and seen the grandiose nature that of just as far as our eye can see, and we think that this big, huge God is too busy for us. He's got more things to worry about than just me. We, we found ourselves uh, not worried even about what he's doing or what he's up to because we've created a vastness of our own godness in our own life. And so because of some of these things, we've gotten to a place where the personal, intimate connectivity of a creator God to a created human, you, the relationship just doesn't compute for many of us. It's too big. We're too small. But I want to just finish today, and I want to show you in Scripture how beautifully intimate and how beautifully intertwined this big, majestic, powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing can be here and can be everywhere at the same time God really is and what that means for you. So I want to just show you these last few things. In the creation of you, 
as God was creating you, he had uniqueness on his mind for his glory and for your good. I want you to see this. Psalm 139, it says this in verse 13. This is the psalmist speaking about God. He says, for you created my inmost being. You created me, my soul, whom I am. You created my essence. And you knit me together in my mother's womb. My, my, uh, my friend Tara is uh, a notable knitter. And one of the things that if you've ever seen someone knitting, you know that there is meticulousness to the interaction, this weaving, this, this back and forth of, of pulling and pushing and pulling and pushing and putting together and, and knitting. And this is what the Bible says, that as you were created, God was doing this as you were being grown and developed in your mother's womb. Verse 14 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Friend, you were created intimately by the God of the universe on a purpose and for purpose. Isaiah 43 and verse one says, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Friend, what a beautiful thing to understand that your God knows you and calls you by name. Now, I have three kids, and I yell at them so many times, I get their names mixed up. I mean, it's like, Jesse, Jesse, I just, you know. But our God doesn't make mistakes like that. He knows you so sweetly that he calls you by your own name. Isn't that beautiful? And then, not only does he do that, he says, you are mine. Man, if you've ever had the pleasure of having children, there is not much sweeter in this world, especially when they're little, And even sweeter, as they get older, they still do this. But when you call your child by their name, and they come in, they snuggle, they lean, squeeze a little tighter, and you say to them, my sweet boy, my sweet girl. I say this to my children all the time when they come and hug me, especially Jackson, my oldest. He doesn't jump up in my lap anymore. It's more of a... And I give him a hug and I grab the back of his neck and I say, I love you, my boy. This is the same intimate, beautiful grasping and holding that this vast God who created all things wants to know you and love you and be in relationship to you. What a beautiful thing. He knows you so intimately that he not only knows your name, he knows the amount of hair on your head. Luke 12 and 7 says, why even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Even when you don't have any, right? Fear not. 
you are more valuable than many sparrows. My hair's still doing good, and I'm, I'm feeling good about it right now. And, uh, but that's, that's even how intimately my God knows me. Our God knows me. Our God knows you. And there's these moments in our life where we sit in darkness and not just dark rooms, but dark places. And we wonder if this incredible God who has the power to do all things sees us and knows us and understands us and and can comprehend the pain that we navigate. Loss, traumas, hurts, disappointments. But even in this, your God knows you. Psalm 56 and verse eight says, you have kept count of my tossing. How many times have you tossed in the middle of the night, worried and anxious over things? You put my tears in a bottle. Are they not in your book? Friends, this is the way and the word of the Lord describes how intimately your God knows you, knows about you, and wants to be in relationship with you, that he has gathered all of the tears that you've wept over joy and over pain. And he bottles them because your hurt and your pain matter to him. And he counts it. And he considers it. Man, there's been so many times I've stood and looked up at the vastness of this world and thought, man, how do you even, how do you do it? Do you even care what's going on in my life? And yet here the word of the Lord reminds us that he knows you and he loves you and he is for you and he is with you and he has not forsaken you. So much so that he had to do nothing yet he loved you so greatly that he sent his son. He became flesh to dwell among you to carry the weight of your sin, your transgressions that would separate you from him forever that he loved you so greatly that he would pay the price for your sin and ask you simply in return to just believe in him. And so today I make that invitation on his behalf. The spirit of God, I believe, is stirring in your heart right now. He's present, he's palpable. But God called me as a herald to proclaim to you the goodness of our one true God. How greatly he loves you. And how even in the scope of the beauty of the pearl of this world, you are the apple of his eye. He loves you. And he invites you into relationship in this moment. Friends, I'll invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. And I just want to give you a moment to consider all that you've heard today. To just consider, who is God? Who is he to you? Who are you to him?
Friends, you can know all about God, and I want to continue to give you solid doctrine. But the root of all of this is based on the fact that Jesus said that there will be people who call on him, Lord, Lord, but at the end of the days, he will say, depart from me because I never knew you. And so every time in this series, I'm going to teach you about who God is, but I'm also going to ask you the question of, do you know him? Your God knows you, but do you know him? Here's what the scripture says. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you would be saved. And so, friends, we do this almost every week. I want to give you the chance. I believe the spirit of God is stirring someone in this room right now. Maybe you've been away from God. Maybe you've never encountered him before. And this is your moment that he ordained from the beginning of creation and from all eternity's foundation for you, this moment for you to put your faith and your trust in him. And so I'll invite you, I'll invite the whole congregation to pray with me out loud for the benefit of anyone who may say this for the very first time. This is not a magical prayer. It really matters about the posture of your heart. Are you ready to surrender your life to Jesus? Are you ready to put your faith in him? Do you believe that he is the son of God? If so, confess that with your mouth right now by saying, Jesus, I am a sinner and I am lost without you. I need you in my life. Today, I put my faith in you. I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you were raised from the dead. Will you save me? And help me learn to follow you the rest of my days the best I know how. Friends, with your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, I only do this because, frankly, I think it's a a powerful moment for you, a marker of a moment, and very selfishly, this encourages my spirit. But if you prayed that prayer and you put your faith in Christ Jesus today for the first time or maybe coming back to God, would you just you just do this and take this moment for yourself no one's looking around but would you raise your hand above your head just so I can see that and I think it would honor the Lord and it would bless me amen I see that hand I see those hands amen any others this is a moment for you I love that I'm so encouraged by that thank you thank you friends you can lift your lift your heads and I want to celebrate, man, three people responded to Jesus. That's incredible. Three people have an awareness of who God is. And I pray today that this doctrine of understanding of who God is will settle in your heart. I pray you'll take some time this week to really consider that. And so here's what I want to invite you to do. We're going to sing a new song over these next few moments. And it's really just going to lead you more into that consideration of how big God is, but how personal he is. So I'll invite you to stand to your feet. And over these next few moments, we're going to sing this song. And this song speaks directly to how big God is, how he connects to us, how he relates to us. And so as we lean in, I know you may not know the words, you may not understand it, the words are gonna be on the screen, but I wanna invite you to try to to sing along as best you can, to allow the words to wash over you, to allow them to encourage you as we sing and we sing about how big our God is and how personal he is to us. So come on church, let's sing together.
Thanks for listening to today's episode. If there's anything that we can do to serve you or come alongside of you in your journey, please reach out. You can reach us at hello at myhomechurch.cc.